Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Tennis Director, Australia's favourite online tennis store with fast delivery and great prices. Free delivery on orders over $150. Just visit their website, tennisdirect.com.au and you can get a 10% discount store-wide. Just use the promo code FIRSTSERVE10. That's FIRSTSERVE10. Welcome to Crunching the Numbers, the first serves in-depth look at the art and science of playing the game. Well, welcome to another episode of Crunching the Numbers. I'm Mark Sapolis from the Tennis Menu, and I'm joined by the man who I spend most of my weeks with uh, in front of a computer these days because we can't be in the same room. But Shane Leonard from Data Driven Sports Analytics is the man with all the numbers. Shane, thank you so much for joining us again. Thanks, Mark. Yes, we've um, certainly been on screen. Um, I actually don't know what your bottom half looks like. <laughs> Probably, probably a good thing, and uh, yeah, I guess it's uh, it's been a little while since we've actually caught up in person. Obviously, this the pandemic has, has caused a lot of different uh, different problems around the world, but we found solutions in uh, Zoom, which has been a fantastic addition to to my skill set. And uh, this week is obviously a very different week. We're, we're going to talk a little bit about the the length of the ball versus the width of the ball. And you actually spoke to me earlier about this is something that commentators and um, media outlets have actually been talking to you about and asking you a lot of questions um, in the past few weeks and months and really had a, a massive conversation around that that topic. Can you explain to us what you mean in terms of length versus width of the ball and uh, and why it's so fascinating to obviously the commentators of today's game? Yeah, it's um, look, it's certainly a little bit of the buzzword at the moment or the bus sort of um, analysis that's happening. Um, it's nothing new. I think it's been something that coaches have certainly been uh, talking with their athletes for, for a long period of time. Maybe the language is a little bit different, but, uh, but I'll, I'll define it in terms of uh, my, what I define as uh, a width game is when it crosses the, the side, the side um, line first and a length games when it crosses the baseline. Um, in my analysis, if you have a look at my social media, you, you've probably seen um, me, me sort of break that up and also have another category, which is when it sort of, if you project the lines out, it crosses both. And, and uh, yeah, it, it's one of the key areas. Uh, I'll give a practical example of where I uh, used it with one of the teams that I worked with uh, last year. But um, before we get to that, I thought I'd give some numbers. So I had a look at the, the women's game um, from 2012 to 2018 and compared it to the last two years, so 2019, 2020. I know this season's not, not completely finished yet, but notice a 3% increase in our balls, sort of that sort of width game. So balls crossing that sideline first. Yeah, I want to unpick that with you, Mark. It's an interesting one because we did have this conversation um, before coming on, on to do the show today. And we looked at, you know, is that, a direct result of the slower court that was played at Roland Garros. Did that make a, a significant change uh, to, to the, the numbers and the data? Um, obviously, I mean, we spoke about, I think it was a 1% change from Roland Garros. And, and when you look at conditions, they play a huge part, whether a player can play length or width more successful. Um, and if you look at Igor Fiontek, for example, who won the French Open, Courts are a bit slower. She's got more rounded grips. She's able to play a little bit heavier. Uh, and she was really dissecting that sideline a lot more than, than a lot of other players. 
Um, we look at the the evol- or the evolution of the game, and we look at someone like Ash Barty who comes to the net a lot more and is able to open the angles and be able to volley across the sideline a little bit more. So, you know, does that play a bit of a role? And we're starting to see more players want to come forward in the women's game than we probably have in the past. Um, The game is evolving. And we did speak about the female GOAT uh, last week and we talked about the ability of all the three players that we mentioned that were at the top of the list had the ability to be able to play back and come forward um, due to the ability to volley and be able to slice and change the game a little. So, you know, is that is that something that we look at um, in that side of the game? I know that, you know, as a coach now, I'm evolving a lot of my athletes, as female athletes, to come forward more, um, to utilise the net a little bit, to be able to create some some uh, time pressure uh, and space pressure on the opponent. So, you know, they're able to dissect the sideline more when they're closer to the net than they are from the baseline. So that's kind of my my thoughts on where it's at and what I'm trying to do as well. Yeah, and another interesting thing to sort of throw into the mix here, I, I had a look at correlation between players that slice, so players that slice more than 7% of the time. They were more likely to be with players than players that sliced less than 7% of the time. So... Um, it was certainly an interesting um, a number, and I'm not saying correlation always means causation, but um, certainly it seems to me that the players that are able to slice more are also more capable or, or more willing to play a with game. Well, we've seen players, obviously Ash Barty, who we've touched on a few times, and um, one I'm fortunate to work with uh, in Ons Javert as well, using the slice a bit, using a little bit more of a with game at times. Um, you got obviously a French Open winner this year, Igor Schwantek, also very much likes to play a with game, but uh, capable of slicing quite well. Um, and then there's 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 a number um, certainly in the women's game that are starting to use that slice a bit more. And it just seems to me that there is a a link between players that are doing that and slicing. So it would be great to hear your thoughts on. Do you think this is happening, and and why, Mark? Yeah, well, it's interesting because I feel like the slice backhand is the shot that can really set up a ball. And, you, and you've seen over years Roger Federer take a, take a second serve return as a slice, get a little bit of angle and width on the ball, expecting a ball to come back cross-court to him so he can open up the forehand side. And that, and that kind of has been a real uh, dominant play for him over many years. You know, the ability to change direction with the slice. You know, a lot of players can play down the line slice with a slight inside-out pattern, which then moves the ball obviously with a little bit of width down the line, which is obviously hard to do with a topspin ball. Um, so the slice backhand is a real setup play and something that can open up angles a lot more. And and you see players being able to change the, the tempo of a rally just through a slice backhand. Um, and it is something that not only males are doing now, but females are starting to do a lot more. And you see someone again, like Ash Barty, who, who just uses it to perfection and is able to set up the play by, you know, by slicing one, taking the speed off, increasing the speed, increasing the width with the next ball uh, or coming to the net off it. And it's a, it's a great change-up play. It's probably coming back into vogue a little bit if you consider someone like the Steffi Graf, who we talked about as well. So it's good to see. Uh, one of the things I looked at this week in terms of the Paris Masters, um, I look at the, the top five seeds um, and, and you had um, sort of Nadal, um, you had um, Tsitsipas, Medvedev, Zverev and Rublev and all of them probably alternate on a different scale in terms of um, if you're looking at the, the setup shot, the assist shot before the winner, uh, how often they sort of dissect the sideline or the baseline. You, you got Tsitsipas, who's probably um, as expected, he'll come forward a bit more. He's dissecting the, uh, the sideline a little bit more. Um, you got Nadal, who's 
who's definitely still more of a length player, but he he does use the angles um, as a setup shot um, as well. And he's actually coming forward a fair bit more now as well. And then you've got your Medvedevs and Zverevs who are very predominantly a length game. So they, they're, um, yeah, they're not using the angles as much. Um, um, and Mark might be able to talk to particularly Medvedev, maybe something to do with his grip. Um, and then you've got Rublev, who was very much a length player um, for most of his career. But one of the things we've noticed in 2020, he's actually using the angles a lot more. And maybe there's a correlation with his success as well there. Yeah, very interesting points. And really good that you bring up the, the grip side of it, because obviously grip plays a massive role in how much spin you can put on the ball. And uh, you look at Medvedev with his grips, really, really flat Eastern-based grips. But also court position. I mean, the further back in the court you are, the less chance you have of creating angle. So, you know, we see Medvedev, you know, 15 rows behind the baseline in the the stands returning the ball and very hard from that area of the court to create angle if the ball is coming at speed. So, you know, you've got to think about those sort of things as well and take that into account. Zverev is the same, very flat off the backhand wing. Um, Obviously, he has real issues with his forehand at times, um, but plays predominantly through the court, grip-related. Um, so a lot of the time you can talk about court, you can talk about court position, you can talk about grips that do affect the difference between length and width. And obviously it can depend on tactic as well. You know, we would probably touch a little bit on Rafa Nadal, but, you know, Rafa loves to play a width game, but a lot of players these days are taking the width away from him playing through the centre of the court. And I think your data says that Rafa is more of a length player than a width player. Now that to me is more of a, um, a tactic against him that he's not able to play the width game, but yet how great is he, uh, you know, as a player to be able to adapt and still win grand slams. I mean, that to me is an incredible feat. If they're taking away someone, you know, your strength and you can still be able to win matches without that. I think that's an incredible situation to be in. Yeah. Look, he's gone through, I think stages where he's had to figure it out. I think early on in his career, you had the, the Burditch, um, um, and, and Zodling as well, where they just went up the middle, gave him nothing. Um, and, and it really troubled him. I think Verdi early on had three hard court wins. Um, head to head was quite even. Um, and then I think Nadal sort of figured it out, was still able to you know, beat them with a length game. And then uh, when the right ball presented, he, he'd go, uh, he sort of set, set up a winner with a, with a, with a width shot. Um, and, 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 and that's kind of how the champion sort of evolved. I think um, Federer's, he he creates some incredible angles, but he's he's learned to win with a length game as well. So it's um it's, it's it speaks to them very highly. Yeah, and it's funny you talked about Tsitsipas's set up ball as being the the width ball that gets him the winner on the next shot. Now, one of the most um, utilized drills on the pro tour, and it's funny when you go across practice courts at Grand Slams or tournaments, and you watch what players do. The coach feeds the player the ball. The player goes deep cross angle cross down the line and literally that is the the most utilized pattern of play in a fed ball scenario um, at tournaments and you see that happen amongst a lot of players they go deep to push the player back they go angle to be able to open up the space and they go down the line to, to hit that space so it's a very interesting uh, point you make about Titi Pass because I've seen him do the same drill and you know he'll go deep and push the opponent back to be able to then work his backhand angle cross and then he goes up the line, whether it be forehand, run around, or a backhand. And and that, to me, is, is something that is a great pattern of play to utilise and something that a lot of players, you know, don't even recognise they're doing, but they do because you need to open up the court to create the space to hit the winner. 
Um, and the angle is very important to be able to do that. did mention at the top that I'd uh, give a bit of a practical example on a team that, that I was able to work with. So um, t- talked about a few times um, my work with Federico Placidilli on the team of Thomas Fabiano. And, and one of the key matches that he had to play um, was the first round of the US Open where he, he drew Dominic Team. Um, I think it was the number four seed at the time. Obviously had the run at Roland Garros to, to the final. He'd also won Indian Wells beating Federer in the final. So we, we knew he, he's form and hardcore his form in general was relatively good but we, we had to really unpick areas where we thought we could give Thomas the best opportunity and, and, and we, we focus obviously on, on some of Thomas's strengths and that was really you know hitting forehands from the backhand part, part of the court but we also looked at areas where we, we thought Dominic team wasn't quite um, as impressive and, and really to be able to play with a little bit more width was a key part in our strategy um, so and then this doesn't mean every single ball you're hitting hitting angles You've got to still pick the right ball but we, we, we identified certain parts of the court. Thomas could get into to the right position to play a little bit more of an angle game. And then, you know, the sequence may be, you know, a width ball, um, a length ball, a width ball. But um, we, we looked at a couple of different sort of plays from different parts of the court where we could exploit, particularly Dominic Team's backhand, um, with a bit of a width game. And, and the ultimate sort of aim was to try and get him slicing a bit more from an unfamiliar part of the court. So just moving him off the baseline. Uh, and really uh, getting Thomas to try and, you know, uh, look at the open court or come forward a bit more after sort of using a bit of a width um, uh, approach. And I'd say that was probably one of the key sort of strategies that we had on the day. Um, and and for, for, for large parts of it, it worked really well. Um, and it was a, it was a big reason um, why, you know, Thomas had that sort of um, great outcome in the end. Doesn't work for everyone. His second round match, he, he had Bublik completely different matchup. I think if you play a with game against Bublik, you're, you're really um, playing with fire. And and, uh, and unfortunately, there are times where he did, and uh, he lost a bit of a heartbreaking five-set match. Um, really lost a lot of those with-to-with battles where he, he gave angles, and uh, Bublik came back with a even even more aggressive angle. So again, um, got to play to your strengths, um, and, and but you've also got to look at your opponent and go, you know, do you want to be playing uh, more a length game or a width game against them? It's definitely a, a great talking point because I see a lot of a lot of coaches out there trying to to create width, which is really important. But it's where you create width from, and one of the huge things that, and one of the sayings I have to my athletes is angle creates angle. So the more the more width you have when you're hitting your ball, the more width you can create. You know, it's very hard to create the width from the center of the court. You know, it's more going to be a length kind of a shot. And when you get out to sort of the single sidelines, that's when you can dissect the, the the singles line a little bit more. And I guess it's important to teach the how to, the when to as well. If you've got young players out there that want to learn a little bit about patterns of play, because it's not what city pass hit an angle, but yeah, where's he hit it from? What situation was it? And then, you know, was the ball coming in slow or fast to him? You know, what was he trying to do on the next ball? What was he trying to set up? And I think it's a decision-making kind of element that needs to be added to the to the uh, the execution of the ball as well. And I think this brings the, the sort of art science back into picture here. Like, you, you don't want to just be going out um, trying to create angles for the sake of it or, or thinking that it's a, it's a great strategy. So get some sort of numbers to sort of back it up. But, but equally understand what the numbers are saying and and how you can implement the numbers just because you hit some more angles doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win the point you've got to understand when to do it what position as mark said um and, and it was it was really critical and 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 you've got to understand your opponents as well you've got to understand your strengths 
uh, bring it all in together and then you know go for the execution but but I did want to to sort of touch touch on this actually mark um, the, the numbers are suggesting particularly in the women's game there's there's more of a sort of a width game um, coming and maybe uh, it looks like you know the, the players coming for the next sort of five ten years the next decade or so um, will be a little bit more width inclined a little bit on the men's side as well I'd say that sort of uh, versatility did exist a bit of a while longer but keen to understand from you I, I suppose how are you readying your athletes for a potential evolution in the game so by the time they're sort of hitting you know the um for the ones that keep going hitting that sort of tour level other so they're equipped to be able to to play play a bit more of a width game if required yeah, hundred percent, Shane. I think the um, the biggest thing for any coach out there um, that may be listening, we hope we've been able to keep you on board for the last thirty odd weeks of doing this podcast. But um, I think that it's about looking and projecting forward um, as a coach. You know, you, yes, it's it's great to be present, and you need to be present as a coach and, and work on what you're doing now. But the game is evolving, and the numbers are saying that, and the players that are coming through are showing and displaying those characteristics. So. You know, I feel like the, you know, the women's game has evolved again. We talked about it last week, you know, the evolution of, um, you know, Steffi Graf with the slice backhand, then it went to Serena Williams' power game, and then you, you look at now it's coming to the Ash Barty kind of all-court player. I feel like it's a, gone a little bit in that direction where the female players are now having to have more variety in their game. And I guess watching Ash being able to use variety and players not being able to handle it shows that how, how important it is to, to be able to utilize slices, volleys, um, you know, even the drop shot at the French Open was a, a hugely de- debated topic, but, you know, it was so successful in a lot of matches for females because the girls get caught so far behind the baseline. If you can use use the change of length, it's a really important factor as well. So 100%, I think that's where I've gone with my coaching a little bit is um, ensuring that I'm preparing my athletes for the next five to 10 years. And that's where the game's going, I feel. And I know we're talking here about, you know, length and width, or a lot more on width today, but, you know, equally we could have a full podcast on, on, on width, uh, sorry, on, on length, where you're looking at the varying sort of length in the game. And I think that's a key part when you're looking at this, um, to, to also look at that look at your court position as Mark sort of touched on You've got to factor a lot of things in um, and I think the best players uh, are actually able to, to win with width or length or, or mix it up or change it up with, within a match you're talking about you know Serena Steffi Graf on the men's side, you know, Djokovic, Nadal, Federer, this, um, they're all able to do it. Sampras, if you go back, he could play both if he needed to. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, key part to it. But again, don't look at this stuff in isolation. Think about some of the other concepts that we brought up. Attacking with safety actually marries up quite well when you're thinking of that uh, alongside sort of this length with uh, argument you're talking about under pressure behavior you know is it better for you what are your numbers saying about how you're playing that width game under pressure or the length game under pressure so think about all these concepts and, uh, and try and bring it together and obviously you know there's a great package on on the tennis menu as well that we we sort of try and bring some of this to life um, and, and obviously the work I do at Data Driven Sports Analytics also helps unpick some of this for, for athletes. But start thinking about these things. Start sort of bringing it all together with your athletes. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like you said, I think we, we can look at, um, you know, where the ball lands as well as to how much um, impact that does have. You know, depth is a really important part of, uh, of not giving the opponent time and space. And, you know, we play a time and space game. So, you know, if you can play length first ball and push them back, and then open up your width. That to me is the most important 
play, you know, from a coaching perspective. So, you know, you need your depth to set up your width. You can't just play width every single ball. No matter what the, the, the stats say, it's a matter of how you construct that and how you piece together your puzzle in, in terms of shift them back, open them up, and then create that space that you need. So um, it's been a great topic, Shane. I know it's something that, you know, I do on court every day and it's something that I don't even think about, didn't even think about as a topic for this uh, this podcast, but it is something that, is, is vitally important for coaches, players, and, and even, you know, tennis lovers to understand how it's done, where it's done from, and why it's done. And that, to, to me, is the critical component. It's about um, not just the angle itself, but how it's created. And that and that is uh, vital to the success of uh, the angle. So thanks again, Shane, for obviously bringing that topic to hand. And, uh, and it's something that obviously, you know, you've been asked about a lot and you wanted to dissect it today. And we did touch on it because we know that Iga Sviontek won the French Open playing with that width. And it obviously is a a huge part of her game, but obviously she did play with a lot of length to be able to set up that width too. So um, thanks again for bringing your numbers today and obviously dissecting and crunching the numbers with us uh, as you do every single week. So much appreciated. And I know you're a busy man and to catch you is uh, is almost impossible, but thanks so much again. Thanks, Mark. And thanks listeners. And I uh, can't wait for next week. Looking forward to it. That's been another episode of Crunching the Numbers. And don't forget, you can go to the First Serves website and you can get in the huddle Aussies only and the weekly podcast of the first serve brought to you by Brett Phillips, which is an amazing, amazing tennis show. Keeps you up to date with all the news as it comes to hand in the tennis world. It's one of a kind and BP is bringing you some of the latest and greatest information. Thank you so much for joining us. Don't forget to head to the tennis menu where for as little as $99 a year, you can receive an online tennis coach with over 600 drills a package done by the greatest data analyst of all time, Mr. Shane Leonard from Data Driven Sports Analytics. And uh, thank you so much. If you get a chance, check it out. Reach out to us. We'd love to uh, connect with you all out there. And thanks so much for uh, being loyal listeners and joining us every single week as we dissect crunch. Subscribe to The First Serve via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your preferred podcast platform to listen at your convenience to all our weekly content including past editions of Crunching the Numbers, as well as our dedicated commercial radio program each Monday on SEN that you may have missed at 7pm Eastern, Aussies only, and In the Huddle, produced by Study and Play USA. Subscribe to The First Serve, your home of tennis. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.